0: Welcome on into the show. My name's Danny Galgo, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the big boss himself. It's Benny Horowitz, or is it the keeper of dragons?
1: No, oh, it could be all nine. No, it's no, no. Nine.
0: That's not what I'm talking oh, we're go- about. We're going to Game of Thrones now. No, no, no. We're we're older than that, man. Come on, I you, think- lo- you lost me. on okay. the tip. I think I think. Well, I think we should say, hey, how, how you doing? I'm doing great. All right, great. you had some stuff happen over the weekend.
1: Oh uh, yeah, a couple things. Yeah. I, I was just uh, noticing the Lakers uh, oh, bought geez. into the draft and got the thirty-fifth <laughs> pick. That's gonna change everything.
0: I love deflection, Benny. Honestly, if if, if Benny Stock was in the draft, it'd be man. That, that guy really gets after. It. He gets some deflections. No, but uh, had a secret show. Oh, this secret show. I was. Wa- I wanted to tell you,
1: Denny. Oh yeah, the keeper of dragons. Okay, I'm seeing this all being put together. <laughs> now. I got it. I all got right, it. it's true. I literally had. I have friends who live four blocks from that venue. Yeah. Who I didn't tell. I told my wife. I told my kids because yeah. you know they don't know shit. And you know, and uh, my brother. Yeah. That's it. That's only crazy. people who knew. Um, it was funny. I even had to like, you know. Do some kind of super sleuthing a little because we're like Brian. What time are people like showing up? Yeah, to these shows at Crossroads because we got to get our shit there and get sound checked like before anybody shows <laughs> up. So we had to make it a pretty early morning, you know, gear gear in the door early, sound check early, make sure that uh, nobody knew it was up and took off so <laughs> no one saw us like mulling around the the venue made the secret shirts put sheets over it and everything and you know the typical thing happened to me like uh, this is why i should probably never be a singer and i'm just not a smooth cat in general it's like the first we're supposed to be like walking on like yo what's up you haven't seen us and then pull the sheet off and be like here's my kit cool (laughs) cool and i literally like walk onto this stage and because it's a tiny little you know club stage I like can't get to my kit. And I like, I'm trying to walk over. I'm holding like my stick bag and like a beer. And I try to walk over this like mic stand. I totally knock over like my hi hat mic and look like I look like a doof within the first five seconds of being up there, you know? Um, but yeah, it was a great feeling. Um, yeah. It was, uh, it's a nice saddle to be back into, I'll tell you. Yeah. The energy happens.
0: Energy felt right. That has to be cool, like, you're just, like, there, and then, like, you, and the people that, like, paid to be there, they, like, lose their shit. I'm sure that that must have been wild.
1: Most of it's almost surreal. Like, a lot of it, you know, it's a strange thing. Like, even, even practicing some of these songs every once in a while, we were playing, I think, 45 the other day, and I was like, I felt like I was in a cover band. You know, it was weird. It was like, it was like I was playing somebody else's song and I had to remind myself. I'm like, Oh yeah, I wrote this. (laughs) Like, that's yours, dude. Like, you know, and, and it's just kind of like, so a lot of it at this point is just like surreal. It's been a really interesting number of years. I mean, I've played at this crossroads place half a dozen times, you know, like since Gaslight's been doing anything to, to quite different kinds of crowds and shit like that. And I don't know, man, like, uh, you know, there's something completely new and and and
0: overwhelmingly familiar at the same
1: time, you know?
0: It's really cool though, you know, to see from like completely outside of it, just talking to you, knowing you. Uh, people are excited about this, man. People are like really pumped for this. Does that uh yeah. I don't know how does that make you feel to know that you like, you know, it's been a few years and people are still like freaking out whenever you guys do something. That's gonna be awesome. Wow. Well, I-
1: I think it's all about the energy, man. And it's all about what's going into things. And that's exactly the reason the break happened, you know? And that's the reason why the break lasted as long as it did and why it's back when it is, is because we made that promise that like, we weren't going to like ruin something we loved out of necessity. And, and until it felt right, until we could do it the right way again, we did. You know it's like it's like at a wedding like uh you know a wedding is good if the people who are getting married have a good time yeah right yeah like like if they're dancing they're rubbing cake on each other the whole thing's <laughs> going on like like the whole the whole wedding's lit and yeah. everybody's having a good time like it's got to come the same way from a band unless you're you know Radiohead with with these projection screens and taking people on a journey you know or something like that it's a different kind of journey like something like us you know it, it needs to have like 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 joy yeah. to uh to to be delivered in a way that makes it a unifying shared experience between us and like the audience and all that and finally the timing is right for that you know and that's why it took as long as it did you know yeah
0: <laughs> well i'm just happy that i got the Wink, wink over the zoom that I nailed uh, a certain secret thing that Benny keeps. I love, I love how far that goes back. Yeah, 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 I love it. <laughs> All right, well, you know a segment that goes back really far, Benny. What's that?: Almost to the dawn of time. Tell me. It's this day music history.: do, 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 do,
1: do. Well, on this day, in 1992, Billy Joel graduates. Oh. He finally gets his high school <laughs> diploma at the age of 43 because he didn't graduate with his class in 1967 because of a missed English credit. Oh. He was busy being a musician, doing sessions. He missed a crucial English exam and he overslept. And uh, unlike many, many degrees that he got, he's, Billy Joel's got honorary degrees from Fairfield, Berkeley, Hofstra, Southampton, Syracuse... He actually had to work for his high school one, and they made him send in samples of his work to fulfill (laughs) the requirements, which were then deemed satisfactory. He put on a cap and gown, joined the 300 members of the class at the 92 ceremony and received his diploma. Here's a a funny part about it. He uh, then spoke at the, you know, the uh, ceremony You know, and did the normal like, oh, it's 25 years. Don't worry, mom. You know, like (laughs) I'll finally stop this dead end job, like being funny. But then he says this. Don't rush blindly into some convenient job that you will hate in a few years. Don't make a lot of logical, tidy, sensible plans. Why not kick back for a few weeks and give yourselves a long, sweet summer of love? (laughs) So like a 43-year-old man... You know, I I know you're getting your diploma right now, Billy, but a 43-year-old man sat in front of a bunch of, like, teenagers, Teenagers. 17-year-olds who are about to start their lives and told them to to kick back and give yourself a long, (laughs) sweet summer of love. (laughs) Fucking creepy. You sound like a... Like a like a weed dealer on the boardwalk or something.
0: <laughs> um, all right, Benny. Well, on this day in 1990, new kids on the blocks Donnie Wahlberg spent two days in the hospital after falling through an unlocked trap door at mid-concert in Saratoga Springs, New York. Ooh, talking a about trap falling door? up door. Yeah, in Saratoga Springs, New York. Like I I imagine this had to be one of those old like. Um, venues that they used to use for like vaudeville and stuff like that. This can't be like just like a bandstand in like a park.
1: It might have been like a old prohibition yeah. thing, you know, like like this was the the secret hatch to the Canadian rum. Yeah, <laughs>
0: but, I don't know, but he, uh, he, he broke some bones. He was yeah, he, he was out of commission? I mean, I think he's recovered just fine ever since. Um, See, <laughs> You know, I've had some close <laughs> calls on those things, you know? Uh, I was just about to ask you. Closest thing you've ever seen to someone falling through a, a trap door?
1: I have seen some people bust their ass pretty fucking bad, actually. Yeah. Um, falling off stages into weird things. Honestly, I've been in some perilous ones where, you know, I'm a very tall fella. Yeah. So, you know, when you go to certain venues, certain places, they have a drum riser, you know, to lift the drums a little higher. Often these things, like, are pretty shallow. And I don't know why. So, for a good many shows I've played, the two back legs of my stool are within inches of the backs of these risers. Like, where if I make one, like, yeah, you know, big stretch or something. I'm taking a tumble. And these risers at like a festival or certain places are then also on the stage riser, which would lead to like almost almost certain perilous death if I were to be tackled or fell or anything. So this is, yo, you really put your life on the line for rock and roll, you know?
0: <laughs> All right. First headline today, Benny, Johnny Depp's back. As if, you know, Whoa. we went the whole summer, all of that trial, not talking about it. But now we can talk about it because he's in the music news. And he's going on tour with his band, The Hollywood Vampires, next year. In case you don't know, the super group is comprised of him, Alice Cooper, Joe Perry, and and they'll be going to Europe next next summer. Almost said next month. I'm sure you'd love to get out there as soon as possible. But I love this idea that in between court sessions, though Johnny Depp is just on the phone with his manager, and be like, "Yo, how are the dates in Germany looking like?" So yeah, yeah, um, pretty cool stuff. Uh, what do you make of Johnny Depp and all and the crew getting back on the road?
1: I, I have <laughs> such like a mixed <laughs> feeling about it because there's one part of me that remembers like the musician of my early twenties who hates shit like this, (laughs) you know, who like stay out of our shit. Like this isn't your shit. Don't just dabble. And like these older rich rock stars who are like, Oh, let's, let's do this. You know, like, so there's a part of me that doesn't find it like authentic or cool or necessary, I guess, you know, there is a part of me that does that, but then there's an older part of me now. That's like, you know what? What? This is probably so much fun for these guys. (laughs) For someone like Johnny Depp, he has unlimited funds. He can do whatever he wants with his time. The guy has like a rock and roll fantasy where he likes to like put on scarves and pretend he's in the thing (laughs) and play guitar all the time. And because he's who he is, he can enlist Alice Cooper and Joe (laughs) Perry to be in his band. He can fly him wherever they want. I don't know where they come up with songs or if they come up with his. like, But it's got to just be like the most luxurious shit to be around and probably so much fun. So if the attitude is right for it and they're really not taking themselves too seriously and it's presenting itself as fun, then maybe I'll like it. They, they chose a slam dunk market for this kind of shit oh, yeah. because all the shows are like in Austria and Germany which are just like super nostalgic and and uh consistent in their love for like classic rock and roll shit and just like rock and roll shit in general. Mm. So, I think they'll have a blast at these shows. They're playing some funky smaller cities, so I'm I'm definitely curious after spending days in some of the places they're going to be spending um and the things I did with my time there, I'm curious <laughs> yeah. what people like Alice Cooper and then Will do with their time there. I mean, maybe it's more of a, you know, the, you know, fly in right when everything's ready to go yeah. sort of deal. They, they might be golfing that morning or something. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it's it's silly, it's corny, but like good for you. Go have some fun, I guess.
0: I love that you brought up like what like twenties you would think because I feel like this podcast if we're both around like the same age would just be hating everything because oh, I would yeah. be hating on LeBron and Draymond Green for being like stop trying to grow to my field and you'd be like Johnny Depp stop trying to play music and we'd just oh. be like fuck the world.
1: Oh, there is definitely a time in my life I fucking hated Johnny Depp. Are you kidding me? No way. No way, I like that guy. But you know, now after all these years, I guess I don't know what the fuck that guy is. But I appreciate his commitment to the character. You know, <laughs> whatever's going on there.
0: I think the pirates movies really won you over there. I think I because like well, you talked so well, much. That's about-
1: what confuses me. Like I watched that movie. And then the real version of that guy became some sort of a half pirate. Like That's what happened in my eyes as someone who doesn't follow entertainment too closely. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know where the, I don't think someone like him has been out there in Hollywood for so long, like doing his thing. God knows where his sensibility begins (laughs) and ends at this point. I, I don't even know. It's a different world.
0: It has to be so confusing because, like, you're right, he very much took on that persona, and, like, actors do this. Like, like Brad Pitt, yeah. after he took on... Um, what was that, like, Spartacus, like, role, where he was, like, the gladiator. He's, like, kind of took on, like, that persona. I was like, oh, oh look like at Troy. Me. Yeah, 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 Troy. Like one, yeah. Troy. 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 <laughs> and then, like, Austin Butler's done the same thing with Elvis. He Now he's talking like Elvis. I'm like, what yeah. happens when you're doing these movies that you're like, this is who I am now?
1: Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> honestly, I've seen... I've I've seen musicians do this type of thing, too, where you're around a certain person, you know, who's got a lot of charisma and stuff, and all of a sudden you see someone sort of adopting a characteristic (laughs) of, like, other people, and, like, I think this is how these things start and stop, and when you look at, and that's exactly the point I'm making, is when you look at someone so deep into it, like Johnny Depp, so deep into it, like a Bruce Springsteen or something, like... these people have been creating their own characters their character their public persona their internal persona for so long that at some point along the line there's modeling yeah. and it's confusing you know what i mean like and i think and where is it where like okay if you're spending 9 months of the year for x amount of time as this character well maybe you're just that character now you know what I mean? I Cause it. that's a lot of
0: time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Benny, next headline today. After more than six decades of making show-stopping numbers uh, from some of your favorite movies, uh, John Williams is just about ready to put the final note on his latest and probably last score. He said in a recent interview, uh, at the moment I'm working on Indiana Jones 5 with Harrison Ford, who's quite a bit younger than I am, and he announced it's going to be his last film. So I thought if Harrison... Can, can do that perhaps i can also do it so uh come on john you're 90 man like like the actions of harrison ford I'd be like do i need to retire anyway <laughs> uh benny stories like this wonder make me wonder and in particular if you just keep doing what you love is that kind of the secret to a long life
1: yeah i think so in a lot of ways it's and i love the way he's talking about it because it's as if old age has been zero interruption for him in (laughs) the way he does things and not even a consideration on how he's planning his future very much at 90 and fuck that that's awesome yeah yeah. like that's such a cool thing like sometimes you get caught up in like some sad things and then you hear a story like this and i realize wow i'm 41 and i feel like i've lived a long fucking life and done a lot of shit if do I really have two of these, (laughs) you know what I mean? And I kind of, and like, and I can do that. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I love when I see people like John Williams have the kind of spirit he does about getting older. It it gives me life, you know? Um, So I I think the cool thing too, he's sort of a, I read a quote while he was uh, being interviewed about this. and and I'd like to read it because I found it so cool and kind of one of the important parts about what we do. He said, it's given me the ability to breathe, the ability to live and understand that there's more to corporal life. Without being religious, which I'm not especially, there is a spiritual life and artistic life, a realm that's above the mundane, mundanities Mm. of everyday realities. Music can raise one's thinking to the level of poetry, We can reflect on how necessary music has been for humanity. I always like to speculate that music is older than language, that we were probably beating drums and blowing on reeds before we could speak. An essential part of our humanity, it's given me my life. Like, how fucking cool. You know, so not only 90, but walking away with it with that kind of, uh, you know, humility and then also understanding that like, He's connected himself to the spiritual, other people to the spiritual by the power of music, which is fucking cool, man. Um, (laughs) And he's right. And it's probably older than time. There was never a time humans didn't do this. But the other part about this article that I found really interesting is like, is John Williams the last one not to do this, but to do it like this? Because Mm -hmm. he said that these days making music is like cutting a stone at his desk. He says, my younger colleagues are much faster than I because they have electronic equipment, computers and synthesizers. And he sits at his Steinway with uh, a pen and a pad still for hours, like figuring things out and figuring out arrangements and doing everything like that. And I do wonder, like this day and age, uh, you know, like 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 a lot of things, is is that way of doing this like almost gone or at least someone who exclusively does it like that and the answer is probably yes
0: and i imagine that he requires quite the hefty fee and a lot of these studios trying to do these I, movies I so. in the future are going to want a kid that can use garage well
1: yeah it says it takes <laughs> him six months oh man to do one of these movies so like yeah you know he gets the giant franchises that that are taking that kind of time but sure like not a lot of people can afford John Williams and and that turnaround at this point. I can't imagine what his bill is like. <laughs> you, know, you know how many pieces that guy needs like like I went to the studio I used, you know, 386 total pieces, of,
0: you know, like God knows. Uh do you want to do the WFAN side of this conversation? Top 3 John Williams songs because oh. five, five is too many. Top 3. Yeah. I can go right, first if you want me to. Yeah, yeah. Let me get the IMDb up. All right. So, um, he's been on a number of uh great titles. He's been on Jaws, Star Wars, Harry Potter, uh, Indiana Jones, as we mentioned before. Uh, but for me, top three and the number one. I'm 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 not even gonna go three, two, one because the number one he did the Olympic theme song, which I think that's gonna endure forever. I mean, I mean, a lot of these songs that's a are long one. but that one just goes hard every time. Uh number 2 for me on this list is the uh the uh, the cantina song, Star Wars. That's number 2. That's just such sure. a pop. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. and then the More Than the March of the Death Star. Uh, 100%. Okay? Okay. Cuz you know what when you go through his like catalog and stuff like that, it's got a lot of songs that sound like that. Not a lot of a uh, cantina action happening. Okay. Uh, okay. And then the third one, you know, the Indiana Jones theme song is great. So this is where I was really torn. Do I go Indiana Jones or do I go Superman? The contrarian me wants to go Superman because that's a really good one. But I mean, you can't really go against Indiana Jones. So that's the three: Olympics, Cantina, <sighs> Indiana.
1: Yeah. See. I, I I could make it a completely separate list. <laughs> and that's that's how accomplished John Williams is. Because you know, it's really amazing to read this. I'm going through my head trying to sort out, and each of these movies he was a part of, there was a musical signature in the movie that was his that feels almost just as important, right? Yeah. So we have Jaws. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Like like the build-up to Jaws and the that like that. music getting up to it that those climaxes are are so important close encounters of the third kind Mm -hmm. literally like half the film is based on this little jingle between like the humans and the aliens and the setup with that like almost like completely you know based on the music superman right like like literally his theme song is is the thing that keeps you going fucking et yeah the entire thing is tied to to the feeling of the music and the like. Can you see Elliot's bike flying through the sky, without that, no. you know? I'm I just and this. I'm only on literally. Yeah. I'm in 1982. Yeah, <laughs> and and I've already done this. So so I mean, just respect all the all the yeah. way to John Williams. Do yourself a favor and go through the exercise yeah. I'm currently going through on here because. This might be one of the hardest like top five lists to ever put together. I know because like, he, like, what did the criteria even need to be? Right, you got in order to make a top five list like this, there has to be some criteria set. This yeah, it's too hard.
0: It's too hard. And we were talking about before we got on. You know, he also did catch me if you can. Uh JFK, like like the music in JFK is so fucking phenomenal,
1: dude. Harry Potter, yeah, oh, all yeah. the Harry Potters. So, you know, Saving Private Ryan, yeah. Uh, Schindler's List. Oh, yeah. Hey, Jesus. Yeah. It's and Home
0: Alone. <laughs>
1: Just randomly, Home Alone. Home Alone. Those little piano, piano yeah, jingles all him. And home alone? Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: that's hard. I tried.
1: John Williams on the program.
0: Oh, I've got him on speed dial. Coming right up. I'm. i, would, I, I would like.
1: I. I don't think I realized until this segment, Denny, how big of a John Williams fan I am.
0: <laughs> I was. Uh, I was playing the music. Thank you people. for opening my oh, eyes. Of course. Thank you. All right, next headline today, Benny. Very few things like this get by me. I just want to preface this right off the top, but this did in a big way. Did you know that there is a Back to the Future musical that is open in London's West End, like right now? I do now. I do do now. And it's coming to Broadway in 2023, which is incredible. Uh, Production details, including cast and dates, were not announced along with the announcement that they're coming to Broadway. But Benny... What do you think this could possibly be? A Back to the Future musical. What does this look like to you?
1: Well, I mean, here's the thing. Here's where me, you and I are obviously out of the loop. Yeah. Because this is already like an award-winning yeah. play. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like the West End is some like, oh, it's huge in like Istanbul. <laughs> you know, it's like the other one, like yeah. right over there that we're supposed <laughs> to know about. So the fact that it's been there and I didn't know about it probably <laughs> goes to show why we don't have a... Uh, theater, a Broadway section yeah. of this, this show. But um, I got to imagine it's very good. And then when I think about the, the thing I wonder about is uh, what's the music like? Yeah. You know, because there's just no music in Back to the Future. There's got to be songs. Uh, you know, I bet Marty sings a couple real, real doozies in there. I bet Doc has his own number, maybe in the lab. But how do you think they dealt with the troubling relationship between Marty and Doc in the play? Do you think they gave us any more illumination into oh. why they're best friends,
0: inexplicably? That was the troubling relationship in Back to the Future you wanted to get into, not the thing about his mom? Oh, <laughs> right. That, too. That, too. Well, you know, it was the 80s,
1: <laughs> but that's why I'm I'm confused why we're letting it play again. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, but listen, I'll go see it. I mean... uh, I, I don't know much about Broadway and how, how to get behind it, but it seems interesting to me.
0: You know who's making a lot of money from this? Huey Lewis and the News. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You th- Oh,
1: so that's what you think they licensed Huey, yeah. Huey songs for? Him? I, I think yeah. we probably
0: got a little more of that. We got, yeah. and A uh, little more like rock and roll feel. Yeah, some Johnny Which B. True. Good.
1: Good. Good yeah. for Huey. Yeah. You know, really made his mark. Back to the Future, American Psycho. Good for him.
0: All right, Benny. To the hardwood we go. We've messed around enough. We got to get to the serious too nitty much, gritty.
1: <laughs> too much messing around.
0: All right, so we Let's ended. Go to the
1: Lakers acquiring thirty <laughs> fifth <35th laughs> pick in the draft. This is big news. Big news. It's Let's to
0: change everything. Um. All right, so we ended last week talking a little bit about Kyrie and his Ooh. potential future in Brooklyn. Oh wow, that's how you've gone already. Um, no, I, just, I never heard the guy. <laughs> and it went borderline nuclear. Emphasis on borderline, uh, since we recorded last week. And Kyrie Irving's future in Brooklyn is now looking more uncertain as ever as teams start to circle. And, Benny, you mentioned them just now. One of the biggest teams that are in the mix to try to get the point guard services is the Los Angeles Lakers. Surprise, surprise. But Kyrie would have to take a pay cut, uh, t- a massive pay cut, probably going to have to cut down on the Postmates a little bit uh, on his $30 million contract, down $4 million. Big travesty. But there's speculation also that if Kyrie leaves, that Kevin Durant would leave as well. So Benny, first things first, how are you feeling? I just want to know it's been a rough week in this front for you.
1: You know, here's the thing. Yeah. Is I think as a Nets fan at this point, at least in the next year or two, just you just gotta be committed to the drama. Right? <laughs> Like I got to just start. So so I don't go crazy. Every time I like click on like my nets, like websites and I start looking at the news, I'm going to turn an hourglass, just like I'm watching an episode of days of our lives. And I'm going to say like sands through the hourglass. These are the Brooklyn nets. And then I'll start reading and I'll just be in this kind of like cool, fantastical headspace to read it. Cause I think this is just what's happening now. Like, like even, okay, Kyrie gets traded. What is the drama out of Brooklyn? (laughs) We have whatever comes back for Kyrie to come play with whatever Ben Simmons is and Kevin Durant. Uh, And then, yes, of course, there's the Kevin Durant wrinkle to it where, you know, Kyrie came first and brought Kevin Durant. And they have a really tight relationship. And I do think they're still simpatico. So the one thing I'm getting by the end of this week, and I'm a little relieved to say I'm getting it, is I think this is all hogwash. Mm. Um, I really do. I think the timing of it is just one of those, like, let's get ourselves in the news. Let's try to get ourselves a little leverage going into these negotiations. Put the nets on the coals a little bit. But I think truly based on the other options out there that the Nets and Kyrie Irving know that his best chance and easiest path and best look and, and for a number of different things is to stay with the Nets play with Kevin Durant, see what you got in Ben Simmons and welcome back Joe Harris and and add some pieces to this team and give it another go. I still think it's the best out of all these options out there. And I think uh, the Nets smartly don't want to just go here. Kyrie have four years, $175 million or whatever he wants, because they'd be fucking fools to give him that without protections at this point. Kyrie is probably backing down somewhere in the middle. And I bet they meet somewhere with like a new one in one or something like that. So I do think a lot of this is guffaw. Um, and I and I think the Nets might be one of the most like recognizable teams from last year going into next year.
0: Yeah. So there's a couple things here. Right. With Kyrie, I think it would be the smart move for the Nets to just move off of this and try to get what you can get. Um, And I don't say like get what you can get as like a like pejorative thing like they're going to get like nobody. I think he's still going to command a, a very decent return um where you can stoke this thing up uh maybe get some guys that Kevin Durant is excited about playing with it'd be very interesting to kind of look around the league and see who would want to communicate who kind of needs a, a, a bit of a spark uh we've talked a bunch about Utah though they haven't really been active yet Indiana's kind of been active so listen, I think I believe in Sean marks um I, I know a lot of people in the Nets fan base don't but I think he's tired of the experiment. And I think he's gonna build a winner around Kevin Durant with whatever he can get from Kyrie. You may be right,
1: but there's an element to that this doesn't recognize, which is like
0: you gotta keep Kevin Durant in Brooklyn too. Yeah. I don't think it's as it's as package deal as it. no. I I I mean, Kevin Durant is his own guy, and honestly, I think um, Golden State winning the championship. It's probably going to have a bigger impact than we realize because from everything that Kevin Durant said on all of his platforms, it makes a a lot of sense. He's been out there. He's been on front. So, So
1: let me ask you this though. Then, then Kevin Durant's obviously primary goal.
0: Yeah. He's, he's,
1: we, we all saw him get beat up a little bit towards the end of last year's playoffs. He needs a little help. He's older. He's got a ton of minutes behind him. What out of all these proposed deals that's going on in the NBA with the Lakers and the, and then this and then that. What comes back to the Nets that actually keeps them in contention next
0: year? You trade, you make a deal with Indiana, you get uh, Brogdon, you get Turner, you get Joe Harris. I think that that's a top four team in the East with with KD healthy.
1: How is Indiana doing that, especially after just going after Halliburton, who is like their now new franchise yeah. player? Um, you know, like bringing back Kyrie to that situation, like, that it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense from their end. Like, that's where none of these, uh, you know, the only, the only teams to me that would seem super eager to bring Kyrie in based on their current situations would be the Lakers and the Knicks. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see anything of high enough value to the nets that could come back that makes them want to do that at all.
0: A uh, team that always is looking look to shop also in the, the Midwest. Do you think Chicago entertains something? Maybe you get DeRozan. No, I maybe. Mean, I mean, that's, you that's, get
1: DeRozan back. I mean, if he actually comes back in that deal, that's good yeah, enough for me. So, But again, I... I so a, lot <laughs> yeah. a lot of what ifs. Yeah. A lot of what ifs. Yeah, yeah. But I really, I do think like by, by next season, I think in two months, there's going to be two certainties coming with the Nets, right? I think I'm definitely going to get some sort of press tweet <laughs> showing Ben Simmons just fucking yoked somewhere. Like that That's definitely happening. And then I'm pretty sure going into next season, when the packages start getting emailed out and stuff, I'm going to be getting big three, the big three <laughs> ones. It's going to be Ben Simmons is the point guard now, and, and Kyrie is the float guard. And uh, they're going to convince people that because Kyrie – Doesn't have to handle and run the show. It'll take enough heat off him. He's not a defensive liability anymore. I can already see the pitch, and I'm pretty sure that's the way it's going to go down.
0: You know what I I even love about this pitch to take it one step further? I love this. The Ben Simmons reclamation project. Kendall Jenner, Devin Booker broke up. Kendall's back with Ben Simmons. He's living in Brooklyn. He's yoked out of his mind. That's going to the championship.
1: He's jacked. He's wearing the (laughs) finest of furs. Rooftop parties. He loves it there. Come on. What was he doing in Philly? Nothing like that.
0: Um and if you wanna and Philly, if you want to buy gaslight tickets no, just kidding. Um (laughs) All right. Um lots of other moves to talk about and it's just been it it is that time of year in the NBA. You open your Twitter feed, you're going to see Shams or Woj having something. And uh, the first domino to fall was Jeremy Grant from Detroit going to Portland for a protected 2025 first round pick and additional draft assets. Uh, Portland also eyeing OG Ananobi from the Raptors uh, to put around Damian Lillard to try to get past where they've been. Uh, it's tough sledding up there. Um, this move clears a whopping $43 million for Detroit, and they're eyeing someone with the aforementioned Phoenix Suns, DeAndre Ayton, who all appears out in the desert. Um, but where where this all gets very soap-bobbery is Atlanta, also eyeing Ayton, but they've also got their eye on swapping John Collins and De- DeJounte Murray. Uh The Spurs are looking for a, quote, Drew Holiday-esque package to get Mary out of Texas. So, Benny, a lot going on. What? Which one of these uh, deals that have already happened or potential future deals are you most excited about?
1: I think it's Portland, Detroit one is a different it's an interesting uh, tumble here because you know clearly this puts Portland in a position to to play for next season. very much so. you know, they're trying to keep Lillard there. Now you have a starting five. that looks pretty good to me, you know you have Lillard, Simons. Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, and Nurkic is your front five. Like that's that's formidable. Um, And I also think it puts them in a position to, you know, pass on a Shade and Sharp or something in this draft and go for a a player who can help them now, which there are a bunch. We'll see them probably take like, you know, a Matherin or or Dyson Daniels or somebody like that tonight who can kind of impact their team right away. Um, And then of course it puts Detroit. Great trade for Detroit. You know, it might look weird now, but they were about to get fucking dick for Jeremy Grant if they started the season with him and they got a first round pick for him. Good for them. They had to do it. And they just opened up all sorts of cash on a young team with high picks, giving themselves a lot of options. Um, I've liked what Detroit's been doing over there for a while. And I think this is another step in the right direction. I don't know if an eight and super max is exactly what they should be doing at the moment. (laughs) Um, You know, I like it, uh, the idea on paper, but uh, you know, I don't know who knows about eight and how he looks in a different system on another team. Like, you know, it seemed to me that the the bulk of the eight and highlights of his career so far have been inexplicably tied to Chris Paul. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. But I I like that move. And I think that is kind of the biggest one so far that sort of sets the table. Um, Don't see the Spurs letting go of Murray uh, unless it's something crazy. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's so far. But I think that Portland deal is interesting. Definitely moves the needle the most.
0: Yeah. I see a lot of people commenting about early on be like, Oh, like these trades aren't interesting. And I think the last few years was so turbulent at times that we forget you, we got people trying to run a business here, and sometimes <laughs> right. it's just like, oh, we're gonna trade the thirty-fifth pick for your sixteenth bench player. Right. Like, like right. it's not. It doesn't always have to be sexy. So that's right. Um, and especially this off season where there's a lot of restricted guys. There's a lot of uh, guys that probably are not gonna want to leave their situations. Yeah. So it it it's just a, a interesting off season. Um, Lakers getting into the draft is interesting. Their best case scenarios, they get like and like Andrew Nemhart from Gonzaga, and it's like that's not gonna yeah. make you a title no, contender. No. So,
1: yeah, I mean they can get something that's a semi complimentary something, but yeah. the idea that they're gonna get an automatic impact piece at thirty five, it's hard to see. They might, they might.
0: You know, we we are recording this on NBA Draft Day, and Benny, this is there are a lot of days on NBA Twitter and NBA media that are bad, but this is the worst. Because nobody knows what the heck they're talking about. You can watch these guys all the time and still not know what you're talking about. But, you know, we've seen people try to say, oh, which one of the top three are going to be the best? Um, and to, to to be honest with you, nobody ever knows. I mean, you can look at someone like Jet Hol- Holmgren and be like, he has all the package, but he's like skinnier than me, which is like upsetting because... Well, yeah, um, and yeah, I was explaining <laughs> him to
1: my son yesterday. He's, he's like, "Oh, there's this guy. He's got a seven-six wingspan and this," and I'm like, "He's literally a foot taller than me." And then I'm explaining it to him, and I'm like, "Oh," but I'm like, "He's twenty pounds lighter than me." Yeah. So they're like, "Does that mean you could beat him up?" That's what my son says, <laughs> and I'm like, "No, listen, he's a professional athlete, and a young guy. I seriously doubt I could beat up Chet Holger," but I'm like. I bet I could tackle him once. <laughs> like, I bet I could get him down if I got 20 pounds on him, you know? Like, yeah. come on. Like, so do I think I could score a basket on Chet Holmgren? No, I don't. <laughs> do I think I could tackle him once? Maybe.
0: I don't understand how mathematically you can be over seven foot and not over 200 pounds. <laughs> like, this I don't know. This some <laughs> stretched out bones, baby. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's like, I'm really not
1: sure. And, yeah.
0: My problem is like, you know how skinny
1: I look when yeah. I'm 195? Yeah, <laughs> People would be like, Benny, are you okay?
0: Like, when I was doing yoga, I got down to the high 160s and people were like, do you want something to eat? I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But listen, if
1: you want to test my scouting, Denny, I got my five sleepers of the draft for you.
0: Oh, I'd love to hear them. I hope we have the same.
1: All right. You got five?
0: I got three. All
1: right. Let's go one for one here. Okay.
0: All right, after you. My first
1: one, sleeper. Yeah. I like Blake Wesley. Mm. Notre Dame, two guard. Yeah, He's strong. Kind of, to me, comps like like Desmond Bainey on Outlook in game. I think people see him. They think he might be a little boxy. Mm. But I think that starts to translate well in the NBA, especially when you can shoot. So I'm big on, on
0: Wesley, probably going in the late teens, early 20s. Um, this isn't so much a sleeper, but it's a guy who isn't being talked about as probably going to end up being the best pro in this draft. Man, dude, I freaking love Jaden Ivey, man. Like Mm -hmm. he he went from a twenty five percent three point shooter his freshman year to up around thirty six. Um, he's crafty. He's uh one of you know in in college basketball where you don't see too much defense he kind of stood out there his athleticism is great uh he's he may even fall out of the top 10 which would be a joke but i like he he is being slept on in terms of like the top conversation in the draft
1: yeah yeah i mean i see people going back and forth on him but um i haven't watched honestly i caught with ivy it was I saw, like, two bad games from him. Yeah. So it's like it, it's like he's one of those players I got to be slow on. Almost the way there are cities I've been to that I've only been to in the rain, you know? Like, I've only been there twice, and it's been raining both times for yeah. some reason. So forever, that city <laughs> is a little shitty to me. It's not it. the city's fault. So I feel like that's where I'm at with Jaden Ivey. I'm, I'm listening to the scouts on that one. He's, he's definitely a beast. I like... Mark Williams mm. in the modern NBA here. I'm I'm I think he's one of those picks that's going in the mid teens almost cuz you know exactly what you're getting and it's like it's like this idea that a guy who plays like him has hit his ceiling. But the one thing about Mark Williams is I think this last season with Duke he went like five for nine on like mid range twos or something. He just, he never was asked to use them. And apparently this is a part of his game. He actually has. Mm. So, you know, for someone like him who can, you know, protect the rim, got good hands around the rim. He makes good decisions. He's been in a good program for a long time with this, like kind of potential little mid range game and a nice touch around the free throw line. I like Mark Williams to really, impact a a team right away it's like everybody kind of needs a a guy like that i don't know why it's so undervalued
0: yeah one of my sleepers as i kind of transition this all all, all away from the top of the draft and into the mid first maybe even potentially these top of the second man i really like patrick baldwin jr man he was a highly touted uh, prospect i went to go play for his dad at uwm out there in milwaukee that was a big uh that was a big surprise last year. Uh, chose to play for his dad over going to play for Duke, um, but he's got a uh, great potential size, strong pe- pedigree, all of that stuff. Uh, could be a, a a gamble in the lottery, but I think when you get into like the twenties, it could be really really cool for a team.
1: Yeah, and it seems as if like almost anyone who comps into a two way wing player at this point is going to jump a whole way. Up in the yeah. draft because of the playoffs we just saw and the effectiveness of two-way wings. It's what everybody wants. And that being said, here's my deep sleeper. Who's and this might this might not surprise you.
0: Is it gonna upset me? Is it Ron Harper Jr. Oh. Baby,
1: <laughs> Rutgers University, Franklin Lakes, New Jersey. Come on, kid. Four years. Here's here's where I'm going. Yeah, Ron Harper Jr. is not gonna be an All Star. Okay, <laughs> he doesn't have the right type of thing for it, but Listen, I've seen him play a lot. Senior season, he shot 40% from three, 80% from the line. He's 250 pounds at 6'6", and has a lot of potential, I think, to turn into these Grant Williams, Jaw Crowder type of good mid-sized body who can rebound, hit those corner threes, and uh, and have nice touch. I think if he gets that body right, turns into an NBA body in a couple of years. Ron Harper Jr., not an all-star, but from Rutgers, we got a rotational player coming into the NBA. Right now, the mocks have him at number 54, going mm. to the
0: Wizards. Okay. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see if RHJ climbs up. Oh, man. So, so then should we just make our, our last sleeper complete homers? Because I was going to try to do this for serious, <laughs> but – if um Oh I'm being serious. <laughs> this isn't this isn't just cause a Rutgers guy's
1: in. I th- I think I think he's got a, a, a career.
0: Would you be stoked if the Nets got Ron Harper Jr.? Sure. Okay. All right, just for the sake. All right, um, all right, Benny. Um, my last, this, this pains me to do, but you know one of, of the most impressive college basketball players I watched this past season? And we haven't even done any of the Ignite guys or the European guys. Um, okay. But you know who impressed me a lot? Johnny Davis, man, the kid from Wisconsin. Um, he can score. Dude, he destroyed Marquette. Like, absolutely just made me turn off the TV at halftime. But that's not, That's not why he. I have him in here. Um, I, I think he's going to be, like, a really nice potential fifth starter on a, a team. Point is, I think he's going to have a, a, a long career. The kid can get buckets. Um, I see a, a lot of comps saying that he's, like, a Contavious Caldwell Pope. I'm like... All right, that, that that could be interesting on a, a, a championship team. I, I think he's a little bit better of, of, of a scorer, though. I mean, I, I, I guess uh, Pope in in the corner during some of those Lakers runs was, was was pretty good. But I like him. Exciting. I could see him on like a I don't know like like the Pistons getting him and and just kind of works his way in, into something for somebody. I love it. Um. All right, Benny. Real quick before we get out of here, we have some hmm. mail. We have some mail to get to. Ooh, mailbag! This mail comes from Jeff Collin, your guy. Jeff Collin, what's up, bud? He's like, yo, dudes, first time, long time. Uh, Discussion (laughs) on this show, (laughs) on this week's show, uh, remind me of talking about the article about uh, the Brendan Byrne Arena, Izod Center, Continental Airlines, whatever you want to call it, uh, being used as a soundstage slash film set. Was also used for a few years as a rehearsal space for bands playing arena tours tours uh he adds a ps here betting miss running into you around jc and running pick and rolls at dixon mills that's right
1: <laughs> jeff cullen the moochie norris of dixon mills <laughs> i believe i called him nice game quick yeah. passer good shot likes to shoot realized early that when you're playing on a small court, a compacted court, oh, yeah, it's a small there's not a lot of shots to go around. <laughs> so you got to take what you can get when you get a window. <laughs> but I like that Jeff Cullen wrote in because this is one of the few people in the last, you know, 10 years of my life since I've been a proper old man that can confirm that I'm a hell of a point forward. <laughs> and he just told you on the pick and roll. <laughs> You know, I'm not the best <laughs> basketball player in the league, but I can do a couple dynamic things out there, and I'm glad Jeff Cullen wrote in, you know, so, to at least let the people know I can hit the hardwood a little bit. I'm no Adam Sandler, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: Jeff, I need
1: – Jeff, thank thank you. Thank you for writing in. You're the best. I do miss you too. I miss running into you and Ramey. I hope you guys are good. Oh.
0: And, Jeff, just on my end, I, I need a full scouting report on Benny so I can pump this out to try to get our boy a 10-day. <laughs>
1: Listen, one out of every four defensive assignments goes away, okay? <laughs> That's just what happened 35-plus. But your boy can still shoot, he can still pass, still dribble. I told you, Lamar Odom, he took it from me.
0: I love it. If if you want to have your email read on the show, hit us up at thetuneuppodcast at gmail.com. Two Ps in there. If you want to follow us on all the social platforms, uh, it is the TuneUp HQ. Be sure to follow us there. Uh, Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, Things happening there. Uh, Potentially TuneUp Live. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Could be dicey could be dicey um if you want to follow the big man he's at benny horowitz one number one in your mind number one in your heart number one on twitter i'm at denny underscore gallagher benny you got anything else yeah what do you think Danny? should i wear more
1: masks while we record
0: like
1: Like, what uh, like like, wigs oh fake fake moustaches yes yes maybe come in the character every time let me give this a shot you know
0: (laughs) the show has ended go in peace you've been listening to the tune-up